0: Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Hello and welcome to the Outer Hour. I'm your host, Tom London, with you for the next 60 minutes. Tonight, Wayne Devanage, the CEO of Outer and the Outer team, bring you a packed show. We will be discussing water quality and the need for an independent water regulator, as well as the latest updates on that. Julius Kleinon's will join us for that discussion. And then Stefani Fick, everybody's favorite advocate, head of accountability at uh, AUTA, as well as legal project manager Isabella Cacaso, will join us for a discussion on the public protector. Why does AUTA feel that the public protector must go? And then everyone's been talking about it for the last year or two the Zondo Commission, former President Jacob Zuma walked out, President Ramaphosa went and testified. What do you make? of the president's input last week at the Zondo Commission. We'll take your answers and your input, your comment, as well as commentary from the CEO of Outer Wayne Divinage. Let's say hello to the team this evening, shall we? And start with... uh, well, Let's start ladies first, because it's still Women's Month, and I think Stefani Fick will put you on first. Hello, Stefani Fick. How are you this evening? Are you i'm good i caught half of that i think you were asking how are you
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> i did i uh, i'm looking forward to the show i'm looking forward to the fact that i'm joined by asivella so that we can discuss our yeah one Ace- of my favorite favorite persons okay yeah. and 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 looking forward to the
0: show yeah <laughs> so are we thank you for joining us stefani and then julius kleinans Julius, how's it? It's been a, a while since you've been on the show. Julius is uh, Julius is a water expert. I don't know anyone that knows about more uh, more about water than Julius Kleinons. He's also an executive manager at our and he joins us this evening. After a while away, how are you, Julius? Good catching up with you tonight.
2: Hey, very well. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Very well. You don't know a lot of people in the water to clearly, but thanks for <laughs> it. Um, no. you know we, we are quite excited about um, some new development which we'll touch on tonight, and it's really nice to just be in the audience again.
0: Good to have you with us. And then Wayne Divinage, CEO of Auto. Wayne, how's the week been?
3: There's never a dull day in uh, in this organization and the work we do, so it's been quite exciting um, the last few weeks. Uh, the energy's high, there's a lot happening, and uh, we're going to share some of that this evening. It's nice to be be with you and uh, with all our supporters
0: this evening. Lekker, let's get this show on the road. Remember, if you are watching right now and you're watching this video live or post live, doesn't matter whether you watch it after the live show, uh, you can always share the video and it helps us get the live broadcast out to as many people as possible. I'm busy scrolling through my device at the moment and looking for the video and then I'll just hit that share button and get it out to as many people as we can. Now, it's customary at this time of the show to say hello to our Outarians and see who's on board. Outer's on board first tonight. Outer represented by Samantha van of account- uh, the head of marketing and comms at Outer. She will be commenting in the comment section this evening. As, um, Banele Sanatla. Put the show together. Benel is our producer. Benel is back on duty. Good to have her back too. we got the whole team here. Claire Feldman says, Evening team, outer excellence. Stefani Fick is in the comment section. You can engage with her there as well as watch her on screen. And Stefani says, How's it, everybody? Roland Krabanov says, Hi all. Hello, Roland. Good to have you with us. Dennis Cooper says, Greeting outer team from Russia. Always good to see your name appear on the screen. Thank you, Dennis. Heinz Brunner says, Good evening, outer team. And Tom, look forward to a great packed hour. So do we. Stay with us, Heinz, and remember to share the show. Wayne Divinage is on your screen and in the comment section. You can interact with Wayne in the comment section. Wayne is quite active in the comment section. So any questions or comments you want to make, direct them at him. I'm sure he'll respond to you. Claire says she's looking forward to this. So are we. Tony DeVilliers is on board. Tony says, uh, Good evening, Tom and the outer team. And I'm looking for some more names Yeah, Scott MacDonald from the United Kingdom. Many viewers joining us from outside of South Africa's shores, but still concerned about the goings-on back home. Nice to have you with us, Scott. Thank you for joining us. And Tony Peterson says, Hi, I just read Cynthia Stimple's book. It gives a glimpse of how Advocate Stefani negated the Miani saga, or is it negotiated? Uh, autocorrect, eh? Ian Paulson says, Good evening, outer team. And Tom, great stuff, you guys. Nice to have you with us, Ian. Christina Gubic says, hello, and hello, Christina. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Nice to see your name on the screen. And more and more people will join us as we get through the hour together. Suzanne Lahubabe says, hello, Outer Team. Looking forward to tonight's discussion. Rudy Haneke, one of the Outer Team members, is on board. And I think we'll stop the hellos there. We'll pop some on screen as you join us and say how's it. Uh, we'll pop your comments, your questions, and your hellos on screen as we go through the show. Remember to interact in the comments section, and let's go. Let's have some fun tonight. First up, we're going to talk about water, and we have spoken to Julius Klenans, water expert, a number of times on the show, and it's always the same story. Julius highlights the problems that we have in our waterways and our water systems in South Africa, and quite often we've asked the question, what needs to be done? Well... There are many who feel that an independent water regulator is the way to go and to tell us about this and any new developments as far as an uh, IWR. I suppose that's what we all call it. The IWR is concerned. We say hello to Julius Klanos. Julius, uh, in 2017, AUTA started pushing for an independent water regulator for South Africa. It's four years now. Uh, Have you got some good news for us?
2: Absolutely, uh, Tom. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's it just shows the tenacity again, and all our supporters and supporting us in this endeavour. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure releasing their National Infrastructure Development Plan, which clearly highlights that it is in the plan for next year to launch this independent water regulator. So it's becoming a reality now, which is really special. Um, we. You know, I think in the last couple of months of the continued pressure, and you, you need to, to look at it from a holistic point of view. Um, firstly, we, we saw that the last drinking water and uh, green drop reports were uh, actually released in 2013, 2014. And that tells you what your drinking water quality is. You know, in 2018, Aalto uh, launched this one a quick survey online within 24 hours, we had 3,000 people in Gauteng alone um, saying that, 80, over 80% of them saying that they don't trust the drinking water that's coming out of the taps, but no one knows what it is. Wow. You know, So we've seen that the, the Department of Water and Sanitation being the custodian um, you know, responsible in regulating and managing water in South Africa uh, but also developing water, being player and referee, and our municipalities just cocking it up. You know, we, They're polluting our rivers. They're not... Uh, cleaning the water properly and testing it and giving us results back. So it's been quite a journey. And, um, you know, I think the pressure on Parliament and their over- oversight functionality from other teams in outer has applied the right pressure. And now all of a sudden we've got Parliaments yeah. So recently, I think uh, our, our supporters can recall that Parliament said, yes, green lights for an independent water regulator and that they're engaging us in our lobbying efforts and that they want to engage us to develop that policy. And now we're seeing the plans, the operational plans getting put together to, to put a regulator in place. And this is really crucial for South Africa and the future of water management.
0: Well, I see that Claire Feldman agrees with you, first comment up on this issue. And if you've got any questions for Julius uh, around an independent water regulator, pop them in the comment section now and I'll pose them to Julius. Claire says, an independent regulator is a brilliant idea. I'm thrilled to hear that it's becoming a reality. Well, of course it's a brilliant idea if it works, Julius. Uh, And so right up front, before this is established, before it even gets put into place, what do you think needs to be done uh, and what do you expect of an independent water regulator? What do we need to get right?
2: Yeah, yeah look, um, you need to look at South Africa. We are a water scarce country, and um, our resources are really—you uh, know—it fluctuates from year to year, and we need to manage it very carefully, especially at such a commodity in, in our economic development. So. We need um, a clear separation of powers. We cannot have any political interference. But I think, you know, Tom, a lot of people think, oh, regulator, we think about NASA and and how effective they are. Um, This is not about pricing only. Um, This is, it includes pricing, yes. But water legislation, environmental legislation is very clear. And, uh, you know, there's there's criminal sanctions that can be put in place Uh, should people transgress these laws um so so the governance side of it um is is it's very strict and very strong, so we just need someone that can have uh, the right oversight uh, ensure that there's good transparency um and that there's follow through on the enforcement side of things you know we, we've seen uh, every municipality in this country, even the best municipalities are polluting water we've seen cape Town um polluting water which is most likely highlighted as the best municipality in the country um You know, everywhere we see sewage running in our rivers and uh, polluting our dams, and people don't understand it, and and they're actually um, appalled at the words of recycling sewage water for drinking purposes. Mm. But that is how South Africa's municipal water systems work. You know, uh, a a city or a town upstream uses water, they use their toilets, and it goes through a sewage system, which dumps it back in a river, and your town downstream Abstracts that water again, cleans it hopefully, distributes that through the water systems, you drink it and you discard of it accordingly. And, and this is how the process goes. So, it's so important that the player starts uh, playing the game properly and the referee else into account. And I believe that if we see only one municipality, one municipal manager being locked up, one mayor being held to account. Um, regarding these transgressions, we will definitely see a significant change in what is managed in South Africa. And that is what this is all about. It needs to be run independently um, with the full brunt of the law behind it uh, without fear or favor. Ensure that this scarce commodity and uh, resource is protected and developed uh, in a sustainable manner.
0: Julius, uh, Christina's got a question, and Christina asks: How do we ensure the independence of the water regulator? Just look at how compromised NERSA has become.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think uh, that is that's quite crucial. You know, we've got so many international uh, policies that we are supposed the idea to be talking about the Sustainable uh, Development Goals. Uh, We've got our own internal processes. Uh, You've got the United Nations that does oversight. So there's definitely an international lobbying uh, perspective that one has to consider. Uh, But yeah, you know, South Africa is um, its own country. And we as citizens need to ensure that there's a lot of transparency in it. A proper board needs to be elected. No political interference. You know, you don't want corporate companies on this regulator. And I think the catchment management agencies will definitely play a big role. But there is, again, you have to ensure that they don't become um, taken hostage or, you know, ambushed in a way where corporates or politicians get onto it again. So civil society is definitely, uh, I think, a big player. Academics will definitely be a big player. And then you need the legislative side of uh, good advocates and uh, people that, can hold into account. I, I think South Africa is moving more into a direction of accountability and more responsible governance. We're far away from where it should be. Uh, but that's why I think, and, and that maybe takes us to the next step, um, you know, this whole process now is open for public comment and we will definitely okay. participate up till the 17th of September. And that's where we start talking about what the structure should look like, who should be involved and uh, putting those mechanisms in place that will ensure that um, we give it the best shot from the start.
0: Julius, what is the way forward? Take us through the steps.
2: Yeah, Yeah, sure. Um, You know, so uh, we we engage in Parliament. Uh, I I don't know if the recess is over yet, but it was two and a half months. Um, But that's definitely... a a process that ALTA is going to be participating in in putting the policy together on uh, the intention of an independent water regulator, what it should look like, how it should be governed, um, who it should account for, and how do you distribute the functionality that it actually caters throughout South Africa. It cannot be a centralized function. So you need to have the ability to act um, swiftly and intentionally in the specific geographic areas especially in our catchments. Hmm. Um, And then, uh, you know, participating in in this kind of effort, you know, where the implementation side of things are in place. So we need to add our 10 cents to what the operations should look like, the plan of execution should look like. And then the process of onboarding people into this independent regulator uh, environment, you know, getting the patriarchs involved, the the people that we're still... um, Ensuring good governance in the water sector and and the best players that you can, so that they can act without fear or favour. And um, yeah, and then it's a, a, a something that we have to keep a, a, an eye on all the way through. This is again, it's a journey that that's probably going to last a lifetime. And hopefully, um, we can put the mechanisms in place that it doesn't matter who governs in future, yeah. that this will, will stay independent and that civil society will ensure that it acts and holds transgressors to account and protects our water resources.
0: We've got a number of questions coming in from viewers, Julius, and the first is from Dennis Cooper, and Dennis says, the legislation needs to be changed. The ownership must be denationalized and not controlled by government. There is so much red tape involved in obtaining a water usage license. Your comment?
2: Uh, I think the independent water regulator will definitely help with it, um, there is a lot of red tape, and I think you know if you look at the Department of Water and Sanitation, um, it has definitely been infiltrated by the corrupt. Uh, and you know, uh, this is look, we, we only have this amount of water, so one has to start looking at how you can recycle and reuse and allocate it more swiftly. Because obviously, economic development um, goes hand in hand with that. So it it will definitely um, have a, a quicker turnaround in issuing water use licences but also ensuring that people who don't have licenses uh, or don't adhere to that uh, be held to account.
0: Here's another question. This comes from Kourbis Duplessis. And Kourbis says, remember that the National Department provides only bulk raw water. The purification of this water and distribution for domestic and industrial use is the responsibility of municipalities. Will they be able to cope with or without a regulator?
2: No, they've never, <laughs> they haven't coped with, uh, with or without a water regulator. In fact, the Department of Water and Sanitation is the water regulator. Um, so so basically, a uh, municipality is a water service authority. So they also have specific measurements. They constitute uh, with the constitution as well, that they need to provide and clean the water and distribute it where your Department of Water and Sanitation has to provide the bulk water. Um that is true. So, um, No, I think we can all see around us. You know, some municipalities do provide water, but leakages aren't properly maintained. Um, Who knows what the water quality is? If any viewer can tell me right now what the quality is that's coming out of the taps, I'll be amazed. Um, Well, you know, and and the same applies to discharging
0: water. Well, here's uh, Dalian Buerta. She wants to tell you what's going on in her town. Uh, I'll just translate. I hope I do a decent job, Dalian. Delian says there's sewage streaming in the streets, uh, straight into the Val River. It's bad, and the whole town stinks. Will uh, an independent water regulator get involved in these issues, or is that for another body or department to deal with?
2: No, that's exactly what it's about. Um, you know, that is pollution. Uh, sewage is hazardous waste. Uh, you will ask Stefani, You know, the, if you look at what the law says, it's criminal. So, if you were to take your dump truck and go and discharge that sewage into a river, you will most likely be arrested for it. Why not a municipality? Um, so, this, this is exactly what the independent water regulator should be doing, and why we're pushing for it, because we, government won't lock itself up. Um, you know, I think municipalities have at a a get-out-of-jail-free card for far too long.
0: Uh, How would you respond to Clive Beckett and his back? So welcome back, Clive. We haven't seen you for a while. Clive's Beckett comment that said, engaging Parliament is a complete waste of time. They steal from us, and uh, they treat us with disdain. Do you have faith in parliamentary process? No.
2: No. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, if you no, know, I, I completely agree with him. I mean, that's the track record that we're used to. But what I am seeing and witnessing in Parliament is change. I think all of a sudden, you know, especially since, and this is just my opinion, since Alta engaged in this the commission and exposed the lack of oversight and action by Parliament in this whole state capture affair, I think people in Parliament, MPs, feel vulnerable, and that's good because they should be. They're getting paid a heck of a lot of money to have oversight and take action and nothing's happened. I mean, state capture was under their sight. So, yes, I I think they, hopefully we'll see in future a couple of MPs being locked up because of state capture. Um, But it's our constitution and that's the process, you know. But we as citizens need to get more involved. Um, MPs should account to us. We need to engage with them in our constituency engagements, you know. Um, who knows what that means? And maybe that's something for a different day. But we have to hold them to account and push the envelope. And that's why ata has got a parliamentary office. And I do believe we're making fantastic inroads there. We're starting to build good relations with staff, actually, um, not not political figures that come and go every five years. And that's what's important. You know, civil society needs to get organised now, and and really put effort into it and participate in what our constitution allows us to do to ensure that this rubbish doesn't happen again. You know, um, we can, personally, I've also been, I suppose, um, neglect, neglecting the process. You know, I haven't participated in everything, but that's that's a wake-up call for us now, because everything actually happened under our watch as well. And We've got much more power than we believe we have. It's just to understand it and exercise it.
0: Remember to like and share this show to get it out to as many South African viewers as possible. Uh, Wayne, do you see this as an opportunity for civil society? Is it a real opportunity for organizations like Outer and, and uh, South African citizens to get involved in the water affairs of South Africa? Absolutely.
3: Um, I don't think we've got a choice, especially in a water scarce country and where our quality has been declining and and we f- often feel helpless but actually we have a lot of power and so you'll see we'll be recently introducing and uh and under uh, julius and his team a new initiative um uh around citizens becoming involved and engaged in this uh in the space of um measuring the quality of water and owning the data um because we can't trust government's information anymore they're websites their green drop and blue drop reports as he says is um, is a problem for the for for citizens we don't know what to trust anymore so we need to become the uh, purveyors of and the uh, owners of and the testi- testers of water quality uh, that way it's accurate that way we know it'll be kept updated and this is this is what what we call citizen science this is part of the process going forward in a country like ours we need to become part of the solution and they and the, and this is a good exciting way of doing it and on top of that we invite government in to work with us and 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 uh, and but they don't own the information and they don't update it anymore we'll do that work for them sure we should get paid but when you go down that road later mm. uh, citizens will be able to do it
0: far more effectively I'm just looking at some of the comments, and we'll wrap them up with some comments. Corbus Duplessis says, water quality in the Saldana Bay municipality was analyzed by me personally, uh, and it fell well within the South African guidelines for drinking water. That's nice to hear, Corbus, that things are going well in your neck of the woods. Diane LaRue says, it's imperative that people who are qualified and know exactly how to manage maintenance and regulations are in charge not an ignorant deployee who hasn't a clue what he or she is doing. Christine is talking about acid mine drainage, and I see that there's a lot of discussion going on. Uh, and we are about to move to the next topic. So, carry on engaging in the comments section. Engage with uh, Julius Kleinans and the Outer team members who are on your screen and in the comments section this evening. But for now, let's move over to the topic of the public protector and welcome Asavela Kakaza, legal project manager at Outer, as well as Stefani Fick, head of accountability. And let's talk about why Outer believes the public protector must be removed. And let's start with that question, Asavela. nice to have you with us again. And uh, why does Outer believe that the public protector must be removed? All right.
4: um, thank you so much, Tom, and good evening to the viewers at home. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, well, Tom, the question should be, why shouldn't she be removed? <laughs> Um, But firstly, Tom, I think um, it's important for people to understand that the public protector is not being uh, targeted. The constitution is very clear on the provisions and the grounds for the removal of the public protector. And some of those grounds include um, incompetence, incapacity and misconduct. Now, as far as um, incompetence is concerned, I think Um, our lovely public protector's trade record speaks volumes. I mean, um, her reports are constantly being challenged in court. We've seen the court setting them aside. We've seen instances where the courts even go as far as ordering her to pay um, personal costs, or punitive costs, rather. So, I think the one uh, specific case that I can think of is the South African Reserve Bank uh, case, where the court found that The public protector did not fully understand her constitutional obligation um, to act impartially and to perform her duties without fear, favor, or prejudice. And they found that she had been dishonest, and um, she acted in bad faith because um, she had um, advanced several falsehoods under oath. I mean, if the highest court in the land is basically gonna call you a liar. I mean, why should you be in office? Mm. You know, I think that's the important question that you've had the constitutional court declaring her or finding that she has acted in bad faith. She has been dishonest. She does not understand her constitutional duty. Now, those are some of the reasons that we believe that she should be removed
0: from office. Let me ask Stefani Fick about the parliamentary process to investigate the removal of the public protector. What processes are they following, Stefani?
1: well, uh, well the, the the process was 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 going um, in the sense that you know, let's just move back a little bit. Um, although the Constitution makes provision for the removal of the public protector. Parliament didn't have a process, so they had to go and rethink what rules will apply in removing, um, you know, not only the public protector, but all um, Chapter 9 institutions, there were rules. Um, I mean, in all honesty, you know, Parliament only sits certain weeks in months and then just certain months in the year. Um, I sometimes think, you know, maybe we should reconsider office hours, Wayne. Um, Let's work like Parliament... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in any case,
0: have holidays. So eventually,
1: yes. they have <laughs> oh, got more holidays than anyone else. Permanently on holiday. Like,
4: yeah.
1: Permanently on holiday. Um, so there's now rules to to have a remove. So they started that process. Um, I think everyone will remember that there was this independent panel that was supposed uh, that uh, that brought our a report, sort of basically telling Parliament, yes, we looked at all the facts, and there there are some you know something to look at. And now parliament's um, um a, a, a committee must have a look at all the evidence and facts and um there was a, a recently uh, a presentation that was made by the legal advisor saying you know parliament must sit with their terms of 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 reference they will only look at the complaint or, or you know uh, the facts that was provided to them And then, obviously, after they have done their, let's call it investigation, it must be brought to uh, uh, Parliament must sit, and then there must be a vote. Um, So, yes, there are rules. However, um, although the public protector didn't win, uh, the the Western um, Cape High Court did say that they weren't in, in agreement with two of the rules. So now it's very interesting. The public protector is screaming, you know, stop the process, stop the process. I've said all along, you know, stop the process. And parliament and, and our previous um, um, speaker saying, no, this process is going ahead. So I just hope that somewhere along the line, you know, the, the political interference is not going to put a halt on this process because if it goes on any longer, I mean, this, her contract will expire.
0: Mm, so yeah, that would be yeah we've that discussed would be that before, that her law. contract could actually expire no. before any action is taken, and it could be likely. No. Let's talk about this PIA application that uh, Auta has applied for. Outa's PIA application against the public protector is in, and Acevella can tell us a little bit more about that. What are you looking for, Acevella? Thank you, uh,
4: Tom. So, um, in the PIA application, so we filed an application in the uh, Pretoria High Court, we are basically demanding access to the documents that uh, the public Protector used in her report where she exonerated the current uh, uh, deputy president mr david mabuza of um procurement irregularities um when he was still the minister of uh sorry the premier of Mpumalanga province mm-hmm. so you'll remember that in 2019 but the Public Protector released um, a report where she uh, was investigating um, the Deputy President, Mr. David Mabuza, um, on allegations of procurement irregularities that related to um, his four luxury cars that um, were worth more than 5 million. And um, the Public Protector found that um, although there were procurement irregularities, in relation to those vehicles, um, Mr. David Mabuza was not involved. Now, as soon as that report was released, as Arta, um, we lodged a paia application seeking access to those documents uh, that she relied upon uh, in reaching her conclusion. Um, of course, she refused us access to those documents, and we decided, <laughs> and then we decided to obviously take the matter to court. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, there's been a back and forth communication between us. Um, at some point, they did finish us with some documents and they promised to finish up with other documents at a later stage. But we've been waiting and there has been nothing. So that's why the matter is at court now and it will be heard on the 7th of September.
0: Stefani, there was a recent Western Cape High Court judgment that found some sections of Parliament's impeachment rules unconstitutional. Does this have an implication on on, uh, the judgment?
1: Well, uh, this is what I sort of alluded to um, just now, is that obviously the public protector is saying, um, you know what, stop the process, stop the process. Um I was vindicated um but if you really look at and i think we 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 talked about this previously what the all the, the High Court said is firstly and this boggles the mind a bit is that um they were of the opinion that that you know a, a judge should not be part of be part of that um initial um group of people looking at you know is there enough to, 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 to do this investigation in parliament um to see whether the you know the, the public um, protector is competent or fit um, for office now you know you know they said that it is a very political thing and that judges should not get involved there so the argument then from the other side is because this report was drafted by we all know um, um, judges is that, you know, now all of a sudden this process must be halted. I don't think if you read the judgment you know, if you read the judgment and you stand back, is that they are saying that, um, you know, the the process up to now um, is, is, you know, was unreasonable or should be set aside. I just think that they gave their opinion. It was very strange that the court actually interfered with you know this is parliament's duty parliament must make their own rules um mm. and i don't think it's for a court to tell parliament um mm. uh, you know how to regulate themselves but we must always remember the constitution makes provision for the public protector to be removed i think you must you know it's it's um form over substance this is about is she competent to be our public protector and if there is a reasonable process um, then that investigation should be held. I think we are being bogged down with nitty gritty, and then the question is, you know, it's it's about, about and is, is taking our attention away from what we are actually de- um, um, dealing with. So I hope that Parliament will not let go, and Parliament will do what they're supposed to do. Sorry, the second um, thing that they. Um, sort of um, uh, said or or disagreed with with the rules is that the rules say that, you know, although a public protector can have a legal representation in Parliament, she can't be represented. And they said that she should be allowed um, to have legal representation with her, which is, you know, neither here nor there. I think the process makes provision for the fact that she can have her say and and, and give her version That's what we always want. If you look at our criminal justice system, if you look at our civil procedure, it's all about, you know, um, um, uh, it's an adversarial system. So you give someone an opportunity to to speak, which I think she has been given, you know, more opportunities than some people are granted.
0: Uh, the uh, the public protector's office is a chapter nine institution wayne uh, are, are chapter nine institutions still relevant are they are they are they functioning properly uh, what's the importance of of having these independent chapter nine institutions and what should we be looking out for as civil society
3: well i think the the emphasis on independence and that's the problem where it often hasn't worked because of the political interference and the meddling with uh, appointments and so forth so uh, they're necessary they're part of our constitution and part of the law, and when they are uh, enacted uh, and, 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 and functioning properly, then they are good for this country. But I think you can hear the arts team, the legal team here, very on the ball with what is required, putting a lot of pressure in the right places. I mean, just recently, um, the regulator, the, the, the nuclear regulator, uh, their board uh, oversight committee um, for the first time, in fact, it was always in the act that they needed to have a civil society representative and 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 now recently they've made that appointment uh peter becca um, very astute uh, nuclear uh, uh, person who understands the issues and we worked very closely with uh, him uh, and and we were very instrumental in in, in the nominations and, and and getting him to uh, Apply the needs of civil society in that board it's just so nice to have civil society representatives so mm. uh, on these boards and i think that's what we need more of tom is, is as we see for instance the uh, the international uh, air services council which has been defunct for the last six seven months uh, also requires representative people on boards we want to get civil society we want to sit in those boards we've nominated stefani to sit on the information regulators board mm. That's the type of stuff that should happen. So it does work when it, when it's applied properly.
0: Asavella, uh, what's next? I mean, you've got this prior application in. How long do you think it will take before you receive uh, information or the next steps that are going to happen? Let our viewers know what you're planning. Well,
4: Tom, the next step is obviously the court case that, that is um, on the 7th of September. So the case is on an unopposed roll, so we hope um, the public protector doesn't come last minute and uh, surprise us. Because um, last year, actually, um, uh, this, uh, our case was in court last year for on an unopposed role as well um, for hearing. And then in court, they obviously wanted to settle, and then they told us no. We will. They undertook to um, send us the information that we requested, um, and then they didn't. Um, so we hope that the same thing won't happen this time. So the matter is gonna be in court on the 7th of September and we'll obviously come back to our viewers and um, uh, you know update them with regards right. to the judgment. Um, but one of the things, uh, uh, Tom, the reason we are so adamant in getting those documents is that we also believe that in um, in that uh, report, that David Mabuza report, that the public protector actually exceeded her powers. Um, and that she did not necessarily apply her mind in relation to the provisions of the PFMA and so forth. So that's why it's so important for us to get those documents and actually satisfy ourselves uh, whether or not she actually uh, followed due processes.
0: And looking forward to the updates as we move through the year. Thank you, Asavella. Now, uh, back to you and your comments and questions. I see uh, Claire Feldman says, why then is she in her position? Nicola Jane Good says, if we can't trust the public protector, who can we trust? And I'm looking through some of the comments. There are a lot of comments here, a lot of conversation taking place in the comment section tonight. That's lovely. Uh, Scott MacDonald adds, she has a statutory limit of seven years for her term as public protector. If she can delay her removal for another two years, she will get away with it and benefit from a full benefits package due. Time is of the essence to get rid of her. And uh, wow, plenty of conversation and a uh, lot to talk about. Hey. Right. Thank you, Asabela and let's move on to the discussion around the zondo commission and particularly president ramaphosa's testimony and input last week at the zondo commission let's ask wayne divinage ceo of outer to give us a a synopsis and what he makes of the president's input last week at the zondo commission are we to believe that he had little option uh, but to rattle former president Zuma's cage while he was deputy president what do you what do you make of this Wayne? Wayne?
1: I think Wayne is on mute. He might be on <laughs> mute. Wayne, you're on mute.
0: Wayne, you're on mute. <laughs> this is standard for sorry, uh, Zoom sorry. meetings sorry. now. Okay, go ahead, sorry Wayne. For that. No problem. I just wanted to say, Tom, um,
3: uh, just before I get on to the Zonda Commission, and sure. the Deputy President, or the President, um, as far as the public protector goes, before and Madunsele came along, did anybody know who the public protector was? And the chances are No very, very slim. And what happens is in these institutions is when you get the right person and they show how powerful those chapter nine institutions are mm. and what they can do for this country, as Julie Badan said it, they raise the bar and, and everybody now realizes the power of the public protector and, and watches the work. So when you get another rotten apple coming in like Mkurbani, uh, then, you, then you see, no, well, that's not what we expect anymore. The same thing with the auditor general before kimi mikoto came along nobody understood the role of the uh, auditor general what they were doing and what their value is to the country uh, kimi came along and just raised that bar and his uh, and his um uh, his successor now uh, Malaleka, brilliant so sort of stepped into his shoes she was the deputy uh, and now we see the power of a good auditor general so when it's right, it, it, is, it is, is extremely good for this country. And those are the good things that we mm. forget about that are happening. But um, to, to the question, yes, did, um, <laughs> you know, the question, I want to answer that question around Apoza in this way. Uh, of course, we can sit here now in hindsight and say, yeah, but you were the deputy and there's so much was happening around you and you did nothing, or you should have done more. Oh, granted, of course, but let's know this that had he rattled uh, jacob zuma's cage had he stood up had he challenged him back in 2014 and, and 13 when he could have or should have he would have been fired he would not have been in the running for the uh the 2017 anc elections and uh and we would probably have a a zuma faction uh heading up uh government uh, now and that's that would have been the biggest nightmare for this country so so he's not squeaky clean. He could have done a lot more, but I think he, he as he says, he was playing in the space uh, of, of um, you know, not uh, taking actions to resign or speak out uh, and abet uh, or just to keep quiet. He wanted to remain uh, in the process, be inside the belly of the beast to exercise the change when the right time came. So if you look at it from that perspective, I can, I can personally semi-buy that as an argument that's turned out for the better. Now, that doesn't mean really to say that he's absolutely on, on point and everything is going hunky mm. dory. No. Uh, but you've got to weigh up the options. If not him, who? The absent David Mabuza, uh, uh, Ace Magashula, many others. Um, of course, Zanad Zuma. These are the options that were in the wings to, 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 to take over and, and head up this country. Well, we would have been a long way down the road of a failed state. Some would say we're there already. Some would say we're still heading that way. We've lots of debates in that regard. But, yeah, I think the common theme was that uh, he acknowledged they make mistakes. They're learning from those mistakes. State capture was not a good thing. And they're on a path of renewal and cleansing from the inside. Well, if that's the case, um, I think the cleansing and renewal is taking place far too slowly. But there are things that are being said that are, are, are good to hear. But then he shoots himself in the foot when he makes appointments in his latest state uh, in his in his cabinet reshuffle that just make no sense. That if you're serious about fighting corruption, you just cannot have um, people like Ayanda uh, Dlodlo. Uh, 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 there's Zizi Kodwa, Gwede Mantashi, all of them fingered in the Zonda Commission. Uh, lots of clouds hanging over their heads. Uh, and then you've got inefficient people like uh, the, the Minister of Transport and, and others. So, yeah, yeah, look, it's it's complicated, but we mm. know he's he's uh, playing a game that is a very tough one with his hands tied behind his back. And that, that, that input at that the Zonda Commission was revealing in many respects. Uh, but do we believe everything? I don't think anybody believes everything. But it's um, interesting to see how it panned out.
0: Pop your comments and questions in the comment section down below. Your comments around President Ramaphosa's input at the Zondo Commission. What did you make of it? What questions have you got for Wayne Divinage? What comments have you got? Is it true, Wayne, that often it gets lost that uh, when we're discussing this and we reporting on it in the media, that it's easy to forget that the deputy president is not a lone wolf. The deputy president doesn't run around doing his or her own thing. They work for the presidency and they are bound by policies and the uh, decisions of the ruling party. So uh, I'm not trying to excuse the the president for his uh, actions or inaction during his time as deputy president, but is it, e- is it possible that as outsiders, people outside of the political system, Uh, we do not quite understand just how the presidency and the presidency carry out the policies of the ruling party and indeed the the top six in NEC.
3: Well, you see, Tom, we have a very strange situation in this country. We have a, a, a ruling party that is kept in power due to its liberating processes of the past and well done to the past, but it's the future that... That, that lies ahead in the current that we live in. And um, that's where things have gone wrong. Currently, the way the ANC operates is archaic. It, this is how you ran governments in the 1800s and 1700s, where you looked after the people in power and the serfs and the peasants came second, and then they got the scraps. That's not how countries are run anymore. Uh, so, so it's very possible um, and especially in South Africa, especially when you had what went down during the Zuma era, you could have a, a deputy president kept out of the loop. And a deputy president and his top six, um, Jacob Zuma's top six, were not aware half the time of the fact that Nene was being sacked and Gordon, Gordon was being sacked and moved and people were being appointed. And they were frustrated by this. Um, so, so there wasn't much consultation when it came to state capture. It was about uh, having the consultations with the Guptas as to who was the best person to appoint on boards or into various departments so that the fingers could reach the, uh, the back of the till where the big notes are kept uh, uh, quicker rather than have to jump a lot of hoops. And uh, so we believe the uh, deputy president at the time, uh, Ramaphosa, saying, <laughs> you know, while I was in the war room of Eskimo and while I was doing, trying to do a lot of stuff, there was stuff I never knew about. Uh, we can believe that because there was a lot of stuff that was happening behind the scenes. And that's why we're in the chaos and the trouble that we're in. Now, I think that's different now to a large extent. There's a lot more consultation with his cabinet. But the current deputy president, well, who knows this guy? Have you ever heard him say anything, and when he does say something, does it make sense? He's He is a deputy president missing in action. And great input on, on articles lately say, says that he's, he's, he's run his time. He has no value anymore uh, to the president. The next uh, uh, ANC elections next year in December are going to be quite interesting.
0: Wayne, uh, you mentioned the questionable cabinet uh, appointments, but there was a name that popped up during the President's testimony that caused feathers to be ruffled, and that was Brian Molefe. And if it was President Ramaphosa, then Deputy, uh, who recommended Brian Mulefe be appointed at Eskom, does that imply that uh, he was part of the problem? How do you explain that? No, I don't think
3: so. Huh? I don't think so. I think Brian Mulefe was going to get position, whether the deputy uh, uh, um, recommended him or not. You must remember that stuff was only starting to surface in that transition from Transnet to Eskom about his role at Transnet. A lot of cloud question marks were were coming then. But up until then, and up until his last few months at at Transnet, when the big deals went down with the Chinese uh, rail companies and that, um, Brian Molefe was was tipped as the you know the new up and coming uh, young sort of uh, uh, guns in, in in the ANC and government. And had Brian Molefe stayed on the righteous path and done things properly, I can tell you now he would been uh, standing in he would be in cabinet. But now, but um, but he wasn't. He was led astray by by Zuma and and the uh, and the Gupta. Uh, family and fell into that, you know, that un- irresistible pot of of, of honey and, and, and got so s- w- intertwined with it, he couldn't get out of it. Um, but but I think Ramaphosa saw the old side or the or the up-and-coming side of him and quickly realized, I think, as uh, his time at ISKIM unfolded, that there was a mistake here, and he was trying to raise the alarm bells in that war room, but it was completely ignored on, on many occasions
0: you mentioned uh, compromised ministers inside the president's cabinet and included in this reshuffle how serious do you believe as outer uh, president ramaphosa is uh, uh, in this fight against corruption
3: yeah well as i said i mean i think he's playing he's his hands are tied he's trying to appease the political nightmare that surrounds him um and if he had his free choice Uh, without putting his own neck on the line, I don't think a lot of people would be there. Um, So this is, as I said in the beginning, the chaos that you have when you have an arcaded deployment system in place with a ruling party that, you know, if you had to wipe the slate clean, anybody tainted with corruption or wrongdoing or gross maladministration should get out of the administration of government and, and in parliament, <laughs> you probably have to take half of those people out uh, right now, uh, because there are many fingers and many issues uh, uh, pointing to so many of them. So that's that's the problem he sits with and he's inherited from the mess that Jacob Zuma put the ANC into. And, uh, prior to that, when Mbeki was there, we were Sure, there were problems. Nobody's saying a speaking king. Even when Madiba was there, there were mm. issues. But but we were on the right path. We were on the path of nation building. We were on the path of good administration, uh, and 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 there were hiccups. There were always going to be hiccups. But but Zuma just dug that hole deep, and if, you can't expect uh, pause And I'm not a not a Ramaphosa sympathizer. I look at the the gravity of the situations and the, and and the options that we have available. Um, you know, you can't expect the guy to, to to come in and two years later, everything's fine. And if you look at what has happened and I'm, I'm glad Mr. Beckett's watching, you know, asking very regularly, when is somebody going to go to jail? Well, Jacob Zuma's there. Yes, he might be in hospital. <laughs> um, and, and Ace is going there. And, uh, and there a lot of these things that six months ago people said, never, not while I'm alive, will that ever happen? Well, it's happening. So things are happening too slow, as we always say, but Moving in the right direction,
0: yes. Okay, well, here come the comments. Uh, first from Rudy Heinecker. Rudy says, nice glasses, Wayne. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yo, Stefani gave them
0: too. <laughs> oh, well, Stefani's got <laughs> great <joking>. taste. Then. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. And Stefani's got some good points uh, as well. Uh, and I think Julius on some of these uh, issues.
0: Well, let's ask both of them for comment. Let's start with Stefani. Stefani, your comments? What did you make of the testimony at the Zondo Commission? Stefani might be on mute now. Sorry. Looking, there we go.
1: Looking for that unmute button. <laughs> My word. Go ahead. Um, interesting. I, I, you know, if in in as much as I think, you know, this, they're trying to explain and whatever, I still think, you know, at, at some point you need to take. Um, responsibility for for the stuff that went wrong, because if you don't take responsibility, and there's no accountability, you're not going to fix future problems. If you if you cannot see that something went amiss, something was wrong with state capture, and um, you know whether you were part of state capture or whether you were totally oblivious to state capture, both of those things are just, I mean, mind-boggling, and, and and we cannot have that in future so there's a, there's a part of me a bit philosophical that in order for you to understand the problem and someone asked here what is what, what is the purpose of the commissions and and all of it and mm. I think that you know one of the biggest purposes of this um, of for example the state capture commission is to try and understand what on earth went wrong and 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 hopefully for um you know government to realize that we cannot. Allow political interference. Guys, I don't think you'll we'll ever get rid of politicians. I mean, they're necessary evil, as far as I understand, whether you like it or not. But that there shouldn't be undue political interference in, in, in government. And and that there's a difference between government and um and, and, and politicians. And that you should, you know, the government should rule to the best interest of South Africans, and, and not themselves, not politicians, and, and all of that. But to come back to the um, Zondo Commission, I don't know if if um, I think the platform was used ultimately, you know, uh, to the best way he could have. Um, but on the other hand, you know, he, at, at the end of the day, he is a politician, so... Um, uh, w- will they really be truthful? And that's sad because I think that, um, you know, in, in order to face the truth, you are very close to getting to an answer and fixing it because we, I, I, we need to believe um, that, um, you know, uh, someone like um, President Sir Romaposa wants to fix the wrongs. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not as convinced that we've seen, you know, a total
2: honesty.
0: Let's ask Julius to add his input. Julius,
2: thanks. Um, yeah, no, I agree. You know, it's politics. It's brutal. Um, you know, I think South Africa should be in a much more modern democracy. Um, you know, it's easy to always say how complex things are, but they, they shouldn't really be that complex. Um, I think education in the country in general is is really a uh, uh, important. You know, for the future. And that is really something I think uh, us as civil society need to focus on a lot because we've got the information age with us. We, we've got technology that's coming about. we we seeing that things should be done smarter. And um, you know people, unfortunately, um, are very opinionated in this space as well because mm. obviously you've got access to all this information and all of a sudden you're a guru. But we need to use these things to our, to our advantage. You know? And what, like Wayne mentioned, and Stefania mentioned, um, if you look at, and, and don't get, can't really do, or hold me to it, but I think it's about four years ago, someone had the courage to leak a hard drive. Someone had the courage after that to take that information and expose it. Someone had the courage to, to actually take that and dissect it and start building cases. And then someone had the courage to go lay those cases, and all of a sudden, with all the pressure, I think these thugs were caught off guard, you know. And the masses started mobilising, and people demanded answers. We find ourselves today in, in, in I think, a very hopeful situation because the pressure is so high that should government not act, um, you know, they will not be elected in the next election. Um, what I'm worried about is is the youngsters and our younger generations, you know. Who can they look up to who can they resonate mm-hmm. with because it 's definitely not the ANC as it is, and um, hopefully not the EFF. you know so so we need to start creating more transparency we need to start creating better um, options for people to to elect who they believe in and, and what 's better for the country and be transparent in the space and I think the independent way is definitely a, a positive way in the future um, We don't have a thousand political parties, but rather one or two or three different divides, but holding the individuals to account. And and that will be great. Stefani touched on something that's really important. I think everyone is envious of powerful and fat cats or or whatever you want to call them. But no one wants to take the responsibility to absorb the pressure or be accountable to earning the salaries that these people have uh, to to take up the, the real oath of office and serve. And and I think, you know, that, that takes a very special character. And um, that character we are yet to see in this government because I, I don't know about it yet.
0: Let's wrap up with the comments and then one more question that I've got up my sleeve, and I'll pose it to, I think I'll probably pose it to Wayne. But let's go with your comments. I see Claire says, uh, CR, Obfuscate, deny, and plead ignorance to every question with his charming behaviour. So Claire wasn't impressed. Um, Scott Macdonald says agreed, Wayne, and for that reason we have to rid the country uh, and of and as the majority party party in government. My apologies if I've read that wrong. Uh, Nicola Jane Good says Ramaphosa is not perfect, but he is the better of evils. Sharon Brin says Cyril is no fool. He was working in a snake pit. Debbie is talking about green papers, or will leave that comment out for, uh, for a moment and pick it up with um, Roland's comment, highway robbery, more funds to misappropriate, they can go and whistle in the wind, he says. And then I see uh, Alta asked a question, who should be president, if not uh, Ramaphosa? Christina said, Sipo Pajana. And Berta Stavets says, too much talk about nonsense in government and too little action. Brigid Braun says, what's the point of commissions, investigations, and statements about corruption and apparent untouchables? Stefani touched on that a little earlier. Um, Claire says, the greed has been totally outstanding on every possible level. And there are more and more comments. Not enough time for the comments this evening. Time for another question, and that regards the former president Jacob Zuma, who is in hospital, and a lot of people wondering: Wayne, is this another Shabir Sheikh situation emerging? <laughs>
3: um, look, at, it looks that way. I, 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 you know, you can see a lot of the conspiracy theorists saying, "Yeah, no, no, now no, this is happening again." Um, let's just know that it was very different with Shibia Sheikh. That was an absolute farce. In fact, that doctor who got him uh, out of the uh, out of jail uh, should be tried and test and and, and and go to jail himself. Um I don't think so, but he's certainly milking the situation. Uh, he's if he's ill and the last thing you want to see is, is 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 something serious happening to Jacob Zuma and then the blame being put on the state because they weren't yes. Cautious and didn't mm. uh, allow him to get the medical attention and that. So, so I don't see it as a get out of jail. Look, he's probably only got a few more months to serve of this uh, of this current sentence. But his other case is unfolding now, the arms deal, and then there are going to be more coming out of the Zonda Commission. So, so I think he'll be in and out of jail uh, going forward. He will go back, and if he's found guilty of of the arms deal, um, I and mean, I don't see a I don't see a medical pardon coming unless there's some serious. But. But um, I think already, Stefani, I don't know if I heard right the other day, the state is also asking for um, independent medical uh, assessments of the claims that are being made by his doctors. Uh, so they're not mm-hmm. just sitting back and saying, mm. okay, uh, we'll accept the doctor's note. We, we, they're saying, no, we want to also see uh, if, if, if this is correct or true. Yeah, the and ordered and, and,
1: and granted the, the state an opportunity opportunity to, to send their own expert in order to see whether they agree with, with, with um, um, former yeah. President Zuma's yeah. doctors. Yeah, good thing. I, think it, I do think that the judge is lenient, but we've seen with Dudu that sometimes, you know, they are a bit lenient in order to at some point put their foot down and say, listen, no more, no more postponements, no more wasting time. So hopefully it will go that same route. But I think we are on the right track. I really do. Well, and he's not going to get away
0: with it. Time will tell. Wayne, in the minute we've got left, uh, what is your message to our Outer Hour viewers this evening? You haven't been with us for a couple of weeks, so let's take this opportunity to close the show with a message from you.
3: Yeah, you, you know, it's 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 always exciting. There's just so much happening, uh, Tom. The energy is, is, is in the right direction. A lot of learning from the things that are going wrong. I think, uh, and I've been saying it for some time, but uh, we've done a little bit of restructuring, um, and we always do structure around strategy our strategy is to reach deeper into fixing uh, local government as well not just national so we're playing in that space Ju- J- julius and his team are now being built in this new business area uh to 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 take apps that we have now about to launch uh, we'll talk more about it we'll have a show dedicated to that platforms that empower local uh, citizens and local uh, organizations within local communities to start standing up to the abuse of power in municipalities. Really exciting stuff. All very, very structured. Very uh, uh, um, uh, sort of empowering to citizens, and uh, that's going to be exciting. So there's a lot of energy in that space. While while Stefani uh, grows her team as well in this in this whole policy, getting policies right and 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 holding people to account. So ATA is. um is evolving. It has since it started the ETAL matter it's, it, issue there. It continues to evolve. It, it, it's like building this engine while the car is running down the highway. There's no book for this. It's, um, and, and we learn as we go. We're writing new ways of doing active, effective civil intervention. It's really, really exciting stuff. This team is just amazing what they do every day and how they uh, manage it. So this organization is, 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 is big. It's 45 staff. And it's flying. And to the extent that while we do make a government's uh, a role uncomfortable, they invite us in now for input. Uh we have we're having some really constructive meetings. We sit on the anti-corruption forums at national level, at local government level. So this is good stuff. This is what what and and, and we couldn't do this without our supporters. And we could do more, we could double our team if if every one of our supporters just got another member or f- friend or family on board so mm. it's good that We, I, I, you know i hope i hope the people can feel the energy of this organization and see what we're doing i think they do um but we just got to get our message out to more people so thanks to the team uh, and thanks to you tom for good show
0: Well, uh, thank you, Wayne, and looking forward to the next Outer Hour next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Before we go, if you haven't hit that like button, please do it now. If you've been watching the show and you haven't hit the like button, just do that. That helps us get the video out to more people. And if you have not hit the share button, you can do it now or at the end of the video once it's wrapped up in a minute or so. Just share it on your Facebook page and get the Outer Hour and the message out to as many people as possible. Well, let's say thank you to the team this evening. We've got three of them on screen at the moment. Uh, Wayne Divenay, Julius Kleinans and Stefani Fick. And you're welcome to say goodbye in the comment section down below. We can make it a nice cheers session for the next minute or so. Over there's Wayne, Julius, and Stefani saying goodbye to you till next time. And sitting on her own over there is Acevela on another screen. Thank you, Acevela. And uh, look forward to seeing your report back when it comes to the PIA application that you have lodged. And to you sitting at home or at work or wherever you may be some inside this country and some outside of the country thank you so much for joining us on the outer hour next wednesday 7 p.m it's a date don't be late i wish you lots of happiness love joy and money until then join me i'm tom london next wednesday at 7 p.m until then i will miss you already our fight to eradicate corruption maladministration unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power, continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters.